Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, my Everyday Truth family. Appreciate you uh, joining me again today and appreciate your faithfulness. Honestly, I feel like so many of you, especially those of you that kind of sign in or leave a comment, uh, I just feel like I've gotten to know you. Of course, some of us just served together at various places in in the past. Others of you I've met at conferences here and there around the country, around the world, and you've tuned in, and that means a lot. We've got uh, several thousand that, that listen every day in some way, shape, or form. And so to each and every one of you, uh, thank you for prioritizing the Word of God. We are in Revelation chapter number three, and I, I want to f- try to finish the letter that Jesus dictated to the church at Laodicea. We've learned so far that this church is a is a lukewarm church. They are kind of middle of the road, apathetic. And one of the reasons is because they're, they don't view Jesus. They don't keep Jesus in view. Uh, they just kind of look at themselves. And they have a, an inflated sense of self and a, an inflated sense of what they deserve, the rights of the people. And they think just because they're economically prosperous and their businesses are doing well, uh, that somehow that equates to the blessing of God. And what Jesus has showed them is, no, nothing can be farther from the truth. Uh, Your physical prosperity belies your spiritual deficiencies, and you need to see them. So watch what he says here in verse number... Uh, 18 again, and we, we began this last episode. Jesus said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. In other words, live a life of true value, true riches, that thou mayest be rich, truly rich, in God's uh, rich unto God. Then the Bible says this, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. Interesting that the Laodiceans were known for their black wool. And Jesus said, I want to give you white raiment. Well, white raiment, obviously, is a symbol of the righteousness of Christ. And when we trust Christ as our Savior, uh, we're justified. We're declared to be righteous. That's the gift righteousness that God gives us at the moment of salvation. But then the Holy Spirit of God, who lives inside of us, is constantly teaching us about the Lord and forming into us the very character of Jesus uh, that white raiment is what we need, the righteousness of Christ, not the black wool that this world offers. So the, 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 uh, the contrast couldn't be any clearer. Then the Bible says in verse number 18, they, the, uh, that thou mayest be clothed and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Watch this, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. So remember I said that the Laodiceans were known for their medical school and specifically the way that they treated eye problems. Uh, They were known for this special eye salve that was available and famous around the then known world. And so what Jesus says is spiritually, though, you're blind. 
you're miserable, you're poor. Remember the description we talked about? And what you need is you need that ISAF. Isn't it interesting? All the things that were true about them physically were not true about them spiritually. Yeah, physically you're rich, but spiritually you're poor. Physically, you've got this black will, but spiritually, you need white raiment. You know, physically, you have this great eye salve, and you see so well, and you're known for your eye doctors, but spiritually, you're blind, and you need eye salve. You need me. You need my word. You need dependence upon me. You need to get your eyes off of yourself. You need to get zealous about the things of God and get back to where you were. That's the message to the church at Laodicea. So it's kind of a two-step process because they can't repent. They can't get right. They can't get on fire for God, to use that terminology, until, first of all, they see that they have a problem. That's always the case when it comes back to when it comes to coming to God or coming back to God. It's always kind of a two-step process. We've got to see ourselves and see our need. No one's going to trust Christ as Savior until he sees himself as a sinner. So we've got to see ourselves for who we are so that we can see him in all of his glory and all of his fullness and in all of, uh, uh, of the answer that he represents. So look, look at verse number 19 where Jesus now speaks to why. Why is he speaking so sternly to the church at Laodicea? These are hard words. And, and watch what he says. Verse 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore. The word zealous there is means be hot, hot for the Lord. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And so Jesus says to this church, I know I'm saying some hard things, that are kind of knocking you off your high horse. I'm telling you that what you think about yourself is entirely untrue. You're not nearly as hot stuff as you think you are. But I'm telling you this because I love you. Why? Because love says the hard things. If you're unwilling to say the hard things to somebody, you don't love them. Speaking the truth in love Paul told the Ephesians, may grow up unto him in all things. Paul said to the Corinthians, O ye Corinthians, our, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. In other words, we're opening our mouth and saying hard things because our heart is big. We have a big heart for you, and a big heart is going to say the hard words. And that's what Jesus is doing here for the Laodiceans. Verse number 20 is a very famous verse, I think under, misunderstood, but look at it, uh, Revelation 3 and verse 20, behold, so take special, pay spe special attention to this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, so it's a shut door, isn't it? I will come in unto him and will sup with him and he with me. So what does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches that Jesus is on the outside of this church. Wow, what a precarious place for Jesus to be as it relates to the health of the church. He stands on the outside of the church knocking on the door. So remember the church at Philadelphia? It was a great open door. I've set an open door before you. But the church at Laodicea, they've shut their door to Jesus. How sad. And what does Jesus say? But I'm knocking. I'm knocking. Now, can Jesus 
bust down a door? Of course he can. And Jesus can open any door he wants, but he's not. Why? Because he wants us of our own volition to come and unlatch the door of our heart, to unlatch the door of our will, to open the door of our stubbornness and invite him to come in. I stand at the door and knock. He, he is requesting entrance, ingress into your life. And notice how he says to this church, if any man. So this is, Jesus is making himself available to every one of these church members. He doesn't say, hey, church, open the door, because there's probably not going to be corporate repentance. It starts with one person. So Jesus calls out to any one person. You know, you might be in a, in a cold church today, a lukewarm church, I should say. You might be in a place where you say, I don't feel like people are on fire for God. It doesn't seem like God's presence is here. It seems like we're just going through the motions. What do I do? Here's what you do. You open the door. You can't answer for other people, but he's knocking at the door of your church and anybody, it doesn't take the whole church to go open the door. Remember in that prayer meeting in Acts chapter 12 where uh, Peter was in prison and they, the whole church prayed for him and God miraculously delivered him from his chains and the prison doors opened and he went to the house where they were praying and that girl Rhoda uh, came to the door and she didn't even believe it that this could possibly be Peter an answer to their prayer. But it only takes one person to open the door. It only takes one person to bring revival, to recognize Christ. And why don't you be that one person? Look at verse number 21 in closing. To him that overcometh will I grant... By the way, Jesus said, I will come into him and will sup with him. That's fellowship. That's time. Revival is inviting Jesus back into our life. Revival is prioritizing that fellowship unhurried fellowship with him once again. Verse number 21, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. Uh, Jesus says, I promise that you will have status in my kingdom. You will have worth where it matters. You'll be validated at a place where it's valuable. Uh, you will rule and reign with me. Right now, you think you are the cat's meow. Right now, you think you have all that. Right now, you think you're so rich and so connected. And so I'm telling you, you have nothing without me. But I'm knocking. I love you. I want you to get hot for the Lord again. There's great reward. Hey, come on. I think the Lord looks at us today, maybe through the peephole of the door and says, come on, come on. Because if there's any church of the seven that I think the church in America is like, sadly, it's this one. But you and I can make individual choices to get right with the Lord. And I pray that that will be your decision and mine today. Hey, have a great day today. We're going to jump into one of my favorite eschatological passages in the Bible, Revelation chapter 4, but we'll have to start that next episode. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, 
God bless.